just the, the reminder, especially about the ladies' Bible study on Saturday. So keep that in mind. And Wednesday prayer meeting. So keep that in mind. All right. Did everyone get a sheet? Yes. All right. Anybody need a sheet? Okay. This is a portion of Psalm 141, which Cliff will be going over. Um, we'll sing it to the tune of 451, which is Teach Me, O Lord. So we will sing this together. this please.
Amen. You may be seated. So go ahead and turn to that psalm, if you will, 141. Another psalm of David. And as is familiar in David, it is a psalm where he prays uh, about his troubles, about his enemies. But in um, verses 3 and 4 uh, are a very instructive section about how sin uh, works. You know, uh, James talks about lust conceiving, and it conceives in our hearts. And so in verse 4a talks about the heart, but verse 3 talks about the mouth, and verse 4b talks about our practice. And so as we read through this, notice those connections and keeping in mind out of the abundance of the heart, uh, the mouth speaks, but also out of the abundance of the heart, our hands work. And so what... Our lives are a mirror of of what's in our heart. There's a proverb that says, as in water, face answers to face, or what you see there, that is reflecting your face. And so the heart of man is reflected by the man. What he does is he does because of what's in his heart. There is a uh, verse here, verse 6 that the interpretation is uncertain of what these, uh, how these words should go. And if you would read uh, many interpretations, many versions, you would get as many uh, interpretations. The old King James has overthrown in stony places. They're judges it's speaking of. Some versions have the idea of judges being thrown off a cliff so to speak, or being uh, touched by a rock even. But the word stony places or stony is the word rock. And so my take on it for for what it's worth is that the judiciary (coughs) is foundational to a civil society. And And if they are overthrown, then we do need the prayer of this King David or Uh, by extension, Messiah, uh, to keep us uh, through those times when our uh, society is uh, unstable. So the judiciary is the rock, if you will. Um, Then verse 10, um, let the wicked fall into their nets while I escape altogether. People, uh, I ran across the phrase lex talionis, which simply means uh, uh, let the crime, let the punishment fit the crime. If you're uh, into law, you've no doubt heard that saying in the Bible. There's the uh, principle of eye for eye, tooth for tooth uh, in the law of, of Moses. And this indeed is speaking about um, judicial uh, proceedings. In uh, the final day, though, Revelation 
11:18 talks about God will destroy those who destroy the earth. So the punishment fits the crime. And it's a common theme in the Psalms, um, this prayer, let the wicked fall into their own nets. I don't know if you remember the psalm. I can't remember which number it was, but it was a psalm that was made up of two other psalms, almost verbatim. And those sections were selah portions that ended with selah. And so this is one of those selah portions uh, topic that you will find in the psalms. For a couple of examples, uh, we won't look at them, of course, Psalm 9, 15, and 16. And then in Psalm 57, 6, these are two passages that also have this same theme of the wicked falling into their own nets, pit that they have dug. Uh, Psalm 141, a Psalm of David. I'll read from uh, the Lexham English Bible. I call on you, O Yahweh, hasten to me. Listen to my voice when I call to you. Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my palms as the evening offering. Set a guard, O Yahweh, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked deeds with men who do iniquity. And do not let me eat of their delicacies. Let a righteous one smite me. In kindness, and let him hasten me. It is oil for my head, or chasten me, excuse me. Let him chasten me. It is oil for my head. Let not my head refuse, for still my prayer is against their evil deeds. When their judges are thrown down the sides of a cliff, then they will understand that my words were pleasant. And as when one plows and breaks up the earth, So our bones are scattered at the mouth of Sheol. But my eyes are toward you, O Yahweh, my Lord. I have taken refuge in you. Do not lay bare my soul. Protect me from the grasp of the trap they have laid for me and from the snares of evildoers. Let the wicked fall into their nets while I escape altogether. we come to open the Word of God, take your hymn books and turn to 106, the Trinity hymn book, 106. I sing the almighty power of God, 106. All right, stand together as we sing.
Well, this afternoon, I would just ask that you take your Bibles and turn to Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 3. I'll give you a few moments. <laughs> it's not one of those you just automatically turn to. Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Back at chapter 3, let me just start reading at verse 16. I heard and my inward parts trembled. At the sound, my lips quivered. Decay entered my bone. And in my place, I trembled. Because I must wait quietly for the day of distress. For people to arise who will invade us. And though the fig tree should not blossom, and there's no fruit on the vines, and though the yield of the olive should fall, and the field produce no fruit, and though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there's no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord, God, is my strength. He has made my feet like hinds feet and makes me to walk on high places. We'll stop our reading there. Mr. Middleton alluded to the fact that we're living in unusual times, times of crisis. There seems to be turbulent all around us and uncertain days in which we live. And during these days, I found myself over the last couple of weeks going through the book of Habakkuk. And some of the things that we read here in this book were certainly applied to the day in which we live. And when we come to the closing words of this book, they are like salve upon a wound. They are very refreshing in the midst of turmoil and crisis. We have lived the last couple years in such a state where we've had to deal with pandemics, we've had to deal with riots, unlawfulness. Now we're dealing with inflation. Now we're dealing with a war and the threat of a third world war and the threat of nuclear weapons and all that's involved in those things. And, and during these days, we might be asking the question, God, where are you? Why is this all happening? And why is it happening now? I, I thought you were in control of all things. And if you're in control of all things, then why is evil pressing in all around us? Why is this going on? And as you consider this book with me, these three chapters have a word for us. And I, I don't plan to expound this book. I, I think this is going to be just a one-shot deal. I think, Dr. White, you went through the book of Habakkuk several years ago now. So maybe some of you can remember that teaching and those lessons he seems to be writing during a time of spiritual and moral decline of God's people. 
there's an indication of the fact that they were living in rebellion and disobedience to God. And so Habakkuk begins this book. Just, just do a quick survey or summary of the book. He begins this book in chapter 1 by questioning the strangeness of God's way. Those are Martin Lloyd-Jones' words. That's what he describes. And the strangeness of God's way. We look there at verse 1, the oracle of Habakkuk. The prophet Saul, how long, O Lord, will I call for help and you will not hear? I cry out to you, violence, yet you do not save. Why do you make me see iniquity and cause me to look upon wickedness? Yes, destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists. Contention arises. Therefore, the law is ignored. Justice is never upheld. And the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. Look, look, at, these, look at these days that I'm now living in. Notice what's going on. I mean, there almost seems to be a cry on the prophet's part. Have we gone too far? Are you not going to hear us anymore? Is there nothing that's going to happen I see wickedness all around me. I see evil surrounding me. And yet I'm not hearing anything from God. Do you ever feel that way? When you see all that's going on in our day? Wanting to see what God might do? I mean, it seems to me that Habakkuk was a godly man who sincerely loved God's people, and he had a passion for God's glory. So he cries out, How long will I call for help? And yet you will not hear me. We could say there in verse 4, he's saying this, the state of our union is not good. It's not good. And God, what are you going to do? And then God gives him an answer. We find in verse 5 God's answer that he gives through the prophet. And, and what God says to the prophet is, what I'm going to do is going to astound you. I'm going to use wicked people to bring judgment upon my people. This was not what Habakkuk thought God would do. But God says, look at verse 5, Look among the nations, observe, be astonished and wonder, because I am doing something in your day you, will not, you would not believe if you were not told. I'm going to do something. You're not going to believe it, except for the fact that I'm telling you this Otherwise, you would say there's no way God's ever going to let that happen. But what God says is, I'm going to allow the Chaldeans, people more wicked than you are, to come and judge my people. The Babylonians will come. And though you may be shocked at what I'm going to do, this is what's going to happen. 
God's ways are often beyond our understanding. God moves, the songwriter says, in mysterious ways, His wonders to perform. The song goes on to say, His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. When God is at work, sometimes that bud has a bitter taste. But in the end, it will be sweet. And we can imagine that Habakkuk says, you know, I know you're a wise God. I, I know you're a good God. But I, gotta, I, got to, I have to think these things through. I, I've got to sit down and ponder what I've just been told. And, and he sort of mentions that there in chapter 2 and, and verse 1. Chapter 2 and verse 1. I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart, and I will keep watch to see what He will speak to me and how I may reply when I am reproved. So he says, I've got to take some time to think these things over. Consider what God is saying. That's chapter 1. Chapter 1, I'm going to do something. You're going to be amazed at what I do. You're going to be astonished. But I'm going to send the Babylonians to bring judgment upon my people. Chapter 2, then we find Habakkuk waiting and listening. He's waiting and he's listening. Notice verse 4, chapter 2. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right with him, but the righteous will live by faith. You got this contrast. Here's the proud man who thinks he can be right with God by his own doing. And the writer here says he thinks right is within him. He thinks he knows what is right. But the righteous will live by faith. Will we hear that statement again? Yeah, we will. Yeah, we will. We hear it in Romans. We hear it in Galatians. And we hear it in Hebrews. The righteous will live by But here's the contrast. It's, it's like Luke chapter 18. You know, you have the, the publican and, 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 and the Pharisee. You, you have the tax collector and the Pharisee. And, and there you have the Pharisee who is all puffed up. He, he's proud of himself. He believes that he can be right with God because of who he is and what he's done. You, you know the story. You know, I thank God that I'm not like other people. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a swindler. But I fast. I, I pay my tithe. I, I thank you that I'm not like this man pointing to the tax collector. There's a proud man puffed up with himself thinking he can accomplish something. On the other hand, you have the tax collector who walks into the temple, can't even lift up his eyes. He, he feels unworthy to be in that place of, of God's special presence. Who am I to be in God's presence? doesn't lift up his eyes. He stands at a distance. He, he knows that he's guilty before God. How, how can I dare enter into this place? How can, how can I walk into this? And then what does he do? He begins to beat his breast and cries out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He exercised faith. 
recognizing I am a sinner and I need God's mercy. Be propitious towards me. Have mercy upon me. And that's how men live. We have this contrast between the proud, the arrogant, and the righteous who live by faith. He then goes on in chapter 2 and pronounces the the various woes upon Babylon. Babylon's not going to get away with it. God's going to use them, though they're wicked people. God's going to use them to bring judgment upon His people. But woe is pronounced on Babylon as well. He pronounces those things. But, but even as we read through this, we see something of Habakkuk's heart. For he knows that in the end, God will be glorified. Verse 14 For the earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. There's coming a day when the earth will be filled with the glory of God. That day we await for as we wait for Him to come and set up His kingdom. Though it tarries, we wait for it. And then verse 20, But the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before Him. We're in the presence of God. We need to be still and listen and wait. If you you look here at this passage, it sort of stands in contrast with the idols made of silver and gold. Notice what he says. Woe to him, verse 19, who says... To a piece of wood awake, to a mute stone arise, and that you that is your teacher, behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there's no breath in it at all, but the Lord is in his holy temple. You you guys follow after these idols and, and they, they seem to have ears, they have physical ears on them, but they can't hear. They they have a mouth but they can't speak. You you try to dress them up, but they can't do anything. But God is in His temple. Let us stay silent. God knows what He's doing. Let us wait upon Him. He's fulfilling His purpose and His plan. And so we go to chapter 3. And again, Habakkuk prays. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to Sajathoth. And here he prays, Lord, I have heard the good report about you and I fear. In the midst of all this going on, in the midst of him, he's now waiting. He knows there's a day when the Chaldeans will come down and bring judgment upon his people. He knows at the same time the Babylonians will be facing the judgment of God. He, he knows all this. He's heard it from God. He knows it's all going to take place. He, he has to sit quietly and listen. And then he prays. And as you read down through chapter 3, he says, "The oh Lord, I've heard the report about You. I, I've heard how You've worked in past. I, I've seen Your mighty hand. I, I've seen what You have done. And therefore I fear. I stand in reverence. I stand in awe because of who you are.
He then rehearses, as you read down through here, he rehearses the, the work of God in their midst. From chapter, verse 3 to verse 15, Habakkuk uses the imagery of God's appearance at the exodus, at the giving of the law, during their conquest in Cana. He, he, he's recalling God's faithfulness. He, he's recalling how, how God has always been at work throughout history, how He has always cared for His people. And now he, he wants to see the mighty acts of God once again. He wants to see God do something. Notice again there in verse 2, it goes on to say, O Lord, revive Your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. God, make Yourself known. Come among us. Revive Your work. Let me ask you something. How, how, how have you been praying over these last several years? As we've watched chaos, as we've seen turmoil, as we live uncertainty, I mean, you know, you, I don't know how much news you watch. I, I've sort of tried to back off a little bit because, I mean, it's an economic downturn. How have you prayed? It's interesting how Habakkuk prays. You know what he prays? Revive your people. Revive your people. Bring a revival. Do a work that only you can do, even as you've done in the past. And so amid the difficulties and the uncertainties, we can continue to wait we need to wait quietly. We can rejoice and we can press on even in the midst of turmoil and uncertainty because you know what? None of these things, none of these things can separate us from the love of God. If I lose every penny I own, and that wouldn't be a whole lot, but you know, if I did lose every penny I own. That can't separate me from God's love. If, 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 if there's a bomb that goes off in my neighborhood and when you see what's going on and you think to yourself, those are neighborhoods like ours. Those are cities like ours. That's a hospital like ours. But even if that happens, it cannot separate me from the love of God. It can't. And therefore, when you come to these verses, starting in verse 6 that I read in your hearing, Habakkuk said, When I heard and my inward parts trembled, when, when I just stopped to consider who my God is, and when I've stopped to consider His faithfulness over the years, and I've seen how He brought deliverance and salvation to His people, I trembled. My lips quivered. My, my bones decayed. And I just was silent. In the day of distress, I, I, in the day of distress, I was silent. I didn't say, God, what are you doing? God, where? No, I, I, God, I trust you. And I'm not saying you ought to, you ought to be passive. <laughs> don't, don't take it that way. There are things we ought to be doing. Things that we have the privilege and freedom of doing here in our country that we ought to engage in. Right? 
But we ought not to begin to shake our fist at God or we ought not to begin to say things like, God, I thought thought you cared about us. I thought you loved us. But how we ought to pray, God, glorify yourself in the midst of going through all this. So that at the end of the day, he says, though, you know, we may go through economic hard times. And that's what he's saying here. Though the fig tree should not blossom and there's no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive shall fail and the fields produce no fruit, and though the flock should all be cut from the fold and there's no cattle in the stall. What's that? That's an economic disaster. That's an economic disaster. Yet he's able to say, I will exalt the Lord and rejoice in my God of my salvation. I will be a man who still is at peace and is settled knowing my God does love me and does care for me. And then, verse 19, he says, and this is what I, the Lord is my strength. The Lord will give me the help that I need. He will make my feet like hinds feet. And make me walk in high places. As I, as I was reading over that this week and meditating, my thoughts went to, and some of you heard me preached on this before, but Isaiah 40. Go to Isaiah 40. Because here in Isaiah 40, we have what sounds to be a similar idea. I, I alluded to that. This morning where they say my way is hidden from the Lord and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God. But most of us are familiar then later on down in verse 30 and 31 where here he says, Though youth grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly. Now it's interesting. When he talks about youth, when he says youth, he has in mind the idea of a child. Or sometimes it's translated a servant. Right? Either one. But, but the idea is, is someone who is filled with energy. When he says the youth. Someone who, who's filled with a lot of energy. You know, you know, some of us, I won't say all of you, but some of us are at that age when we look at our grandchildren and say, wow, where do they get so much energy, right? You hear that? Right? Always going. You know, when, 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 when Lex, my oldest granddaughter, said, Grandpa, come and play, I said, okay, let's do it. All right, that was 13, 14 years ago. Now with Abe, Grandpa, come on. And I, oh, Abe, slow down, buddy. All right. Sorry you went around 14 years ago. I was more spry than I am now. But, but it's talking about, here's these youth, these, these guys with energy. And vigorous young men, that, that term refers to an athlete or someone in military service. So, so what he has in mind here, here are the fit of the fittest. Right? Youth and, and vigorous young men. Right? They seem to be well trained, well prepared. But notice what he says about them. They've got to be careful or they're going to stumble badly. Or they're going to grow weary. They're going to get tired. And, and what I believe Isaiah is telling us is even the best of us in, in the midst of, of seasons that are difficult, we can become weary and tired. We want to throw in the towel. 
And I think we battle with three things in particular. We battle with discouragement. We battle with discontentment. And we battle with doubt. Three Ds that I'm prone to. Discouragement. Discontentment and doubt. And we can fall. But he says, here's my counsel to you. Wait upon the Lord. Trust Him. Know who He is. Know His faithfulness. And and, and then he says, as you wait on the Lord, three things will happen. You'll gain new strength. You'll mount up with wings like eagles. High places. Remember Habakkuk? Set you on high places. Mount up with wings as eagles. And you will run and not get tired. You will walk and not become weary. Three things. God says, if you wait upon me, you trust me, even during the most difficult seasons of your life, I'll give you power. I'll give you needed strength. I'll renew your strength. It means I'll give you strength on top of strength, which which carries the idea of perhaps we've met people who've gone through real trials and we say to them, how did you get through that? I, I could never get through that the way you have. And they look at you and say, I don't know. God just gave me the help I needed when I needed it. Renewed strength. Secondly, you'll mount up with wings as eagles, or I'll put you on high places. When when we really trust God as we ought, even in the midst of turbulent times, he says, I'm going to, this is how I put it, I'm going to give you a, a good perspective of things. I mean, eagles fly higher than any other bird. And you've perhaps heard me use this illustration before. The perspective of an eagle is different than the perspective of an ant. All right? What's the ant see? I, I, I don't know this. I haven't talked to any of them. But, but what does an ant see? I'm thinking I'm going through the yard. He sees one blade of grass. And he's thinking, okay, remember that movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Wasn't there something like that in there? And he sees one blade of grass, and he thinks to himself, okay, i got to get around this blade, oh, only to find another blade. The eagle, on the other hand, has this view of the whole place. And and as believers, oh yeah, we we have those trials, and some of us go through them like, okay, i got to get through this one. Instead of having an eternal perspective that says, you know what? One day, all this is going to be done away with. No more trials, no more difficulties. I'll give you that perspective as you trust me. I don't want to live day by day. I want to live with the idea that eternity's coming. And so he gives them that perspective. And and then they'll run and not get tired. They'll walk and not become weary. There's perseverance. And perseverance consists of two things. One, the energy you need to go the energy you need to press on, they'll run. And then not only energy, but endurance. And, and the idea of walking is the idea of endurance. They'll walk and not become weary. They will endure. 
as I trust God, as I look around, and though I don't understand, I don't understand why certain men are getting away with certain things. I don't even understand why certain men have been elected and other men haven't. I, I, I can't wrap my head around this. I think it would be far better if something else would happen. Yet as I trust God, God will give me what I need to press on and not give up. But continue doing the work he's called me to do. And that's what Habakkuk points us to. I'll give them needed strength. I will have their feet like hinds feet or deer's feet. They will endure. They'll, they'll run. They'll keep going. And I will make them walk on high places. That perspective. Well, may God help us. Because I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. I pray for revival. I was talking, I forget who I was talking, I was talking to somebody this week. And we were talking about how in times past, God brought revival. And it may have been in breakfast. Did we talk about it? Okay, thank you. And, and, and we, we spoke about, could God, you know, we tend to think things are only going to get worse. We tend to think we're in for it. But can't we pray, God? God, use us to bring about a renewal and a revival in our land where men seek after God, where men will live for God, when there's a greater fear of God than there's a greater fear of man. What, what, could we see that in our day? I'm thinking, well, yeah, we could. I mean, I'm sure the ones who had it in their days thought to themselves, we'll never see a day like that. And then it comes. Could God, God bring it about? Awaken men. Awaken our nation to the fact that there is a God and we need to be obedient to Him in all things. So, in the providence of God, that's what I've been reading. And so as I thought about this afternoon service, I wasn't sure which direction to go, so I thought, I'm just going to share with them what God's been sharing with me. And I trust that will help us as we live in this broken and fallen world, but to live to glorify Him. I mean, Habakkuk wanted God. I want You to be glorified. That's what we want. We want You to be glorified. So use us to that end. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank You for giving us this time together. Thank You for the encouragement of Your Word, and, and pray, Father, that You would continually be working in our lives, giving us the needed strength day by day to live for You. Help us to live in light of eternity. This, this world's not my home. We're just passing through. And Father, help us to be a people that persevere, to run and not grow weary, to walk and not faint. So Father, we pray that these things would be worked out in our lives every day and that through that You would bring glory to Yourself. Father, bring a renewal even in our day. Cause men to see their need of a Savior. And Father, we'll give You the glory as we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, in closing, take your hymns of grace. Hymns of grace and turn to number 97.
We will glorify the King of Kings. We will glorify the Lamb. Hymn number 97. Let's stand together as we sing. 